All right, First Chronicles 22 is um, one of my favorite chapters uh, in First Chronicles so far. Um, exceeding magnificence of the Lord. How magnificent is the Lord? Um, someone who has walked with the Lord for probably five decades at least is David. And you can tell how much he loves the Lord and is a man after God's own heart from the 73 Psalms that are ascribed to him. And maybe a 74th um, Psalm 72. And he is going to be passing the baton here uh, in at the end of First Chronicles. What First Chronicles doesn't have that Second uh, Samuel had a lot of was the uh, sin of David and Bathsheba, then the sin of Absalom, Amnon, all of the chaos in the family is not recorded here in First Chronicles, and it's kind of nice, <laughs> nice not to have it. And, but what is recorded here, chapter after chapter, is the details of the temple. And what's fascinating about this is this is written after this temple is destroyed. So he's writing in 400 and something BC, and the temple is destroyed in 586 by the Babylonians. And so why all of this detail? It's to go with the theme of God's covenant faithfulness to his people. God wants to be with his people. We'll see this idea of God being with his people, where David knows God's presence. This is why he wanted the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. He wanted God's presence near him. And now he's going to pass this uh, heart to his uh, son, Solomon. Uh, we're going to, uh, I'm going to build on what we talked about Sunday. The last verses we looked at Sunday uh, in the resurrection was the Great Commission. And if you remember the Great Commission, I'm going to summarize it with four all statements in those three verses. So Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 20 has four alls. Um, it includes submitting to uh, Jesus authority. And he says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Then he says, I want you to make disciples of all nations. And I want you to teach them to obey all things that I gave you. And I'm going to be with you always. So you're going to see these four things again in First Chronicles 22, as David, the man after God's own heart, is passing on uh, the spiritual legacy and the, the job, the task of building the temple, which is an enormous task, okay? And we'll see how big it is because of how much of the materials that David has collected. And he's telling Solomon, you have to add to this. And we're going to see how much uh, material that David has collected over the years of fighting. And then in, in times of peace where tribute coming in uh, from the countries around, and he is saving and saving and saving. Um, but David has a, um, a desire to magnify the magnificent Lord. And if there is something that could be said of our lives, we want to pass on this idea that we have a magnificent God who we want our kids and grandkids to love as much as we do or more. And so this is David's heart as he is going to talk here in First uh, Chronicles 22. And we're going to see him talking to, um, telling Solomon what God told him in the Davidic covenant. We're going to see him telling uh, Solomon all that he has done, all that is Solomon's uh, destiny to do, uh, because God chose Solomon 
And David, I think, chooses Solomon as well. And Solomon is not the firstborn. He has at least seven older brothers uh, that are recorded for us by name. Adonijah, one of them, tries to take over the throne when Solomon becomes king. Uh, two, Absalom and Amnon, are killed. And we don't know what happened to the other older brothers. But David knows what it's like not to be the oldest and still be king. And so when it comes to what's important for a king, it's not who's the heir, who's the next in line. When it comes to God's way of choosing leaders for uh, different than Israel's way of choosing Saul, we're looking for a guy who's after God's own heart. It doesn't matter if he's the eighth <laughs> of the youngest brothers. And for Solomon, it doesn't matter that he is very young. He's likely a teenager. Um, his mom and David sinned uh, when David was roughly 50 years old and David dies at 70. And so Dave, uh, Solomon is a, likely a teenager, maybe 15 to 18 years old when he comes uh, to the throne. And so uh, we'll see that idea uh, picked up here. So let's look at uh, first, first Chronicles 22, verse 2. David commanded to gather together the resident aliens. Those are the um, people that were worshiping God in Israel that were, weren't Israelite. The resident aliens who were in the land of Israel, and he set stone cutters to prepare dress stones for building the house of God. These guys would cut stones so that it would be similar to concrete blocks uh, today that would fit together, and it would require a lot of um, chiseling uh, these stones. He's building... Uh, preparing these for the house of God. Verse three, David also provided great quantities of iron for nails, for the doors of the gates and for clamps, as well as bronze and quantities beyond weighing. Okay, and we don't even know how much he had, but he had so much that they, they just stopped counting. And cedar timbers without number. They stopped counting those too. Uh, for the Sidonians and the Tyrians, those from Tyre and Sidon to the north, uh, brought great quantities of cedar to David. David said, okay, here's David's thought process of why he needs to gather all these materials. Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. Now, if you were to give a 15-year-old a and say, okay, we have a magnificent God, and you're going to make a temple for this God who is going, is going to be the most glorious thing that the people on the earth are going to come and want to worship God because of this temple. <laughs> and you're telling a 15-year-old that, and you're like, uh, you can see... And we'll, we'll see how David talks to him and, and tells him not to be afraid. Um, so he says, David, my uh, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout all the lands, because God is magnificent, and we want God's fame and God's glory to go throughout the lands. And I will therefore make preparation for it. So Exodus 19 and Deuteronomy 4 um, expect that the Israelites would be a kingdom of priests. They would also expect that the nations of the world would come and worship God and see the wisdom of the laws and the wisdom of how they worship God. And they've got the one true and living God. And so God wants Israel to be, and David knows uh, Exodus 19 and Deuteronomy 4, that the nations are going to come if they obey God, if they worship how God wants that the nations are going to want, the faithful in those nations are going to come and want to worship, like the Ethiopian eunuch is doing in Acts 8 in the New Testament. All right, so we have a the leader's desire to magnify the magnificent Lord. So why, wise leaders know how, how big this job is. They also 
uh, want to spread God's fame and God's glory. So look at the end of verse five. So David provided materials in great quantity before his death. So the end of David's reign, he is collecting, he's saving. And he has, if, you, if you've been to Home Depot, he's got probably more, in, more stuff than could fit in one Home Depot store because they stopped counting the wood, they stopped counting the iron and the bronze, and we'll see how much gold and silver that they collect uh, here in the next section. Verse six, then he calls for Solomon. So he knows Solomon's age, and there was a time when he says to Solomon, okay, Solomon, I'm not gonna be around forever, and it's not for me to build, uh, but I've got. let me show you what I've collected, and let me tell you what God told me, and that this is your job uh, to do. So he says, uh, he charged him, verse six, to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord, my God. The name of the Lord. He's trying to magnify the name of the Lord. You'll see that at the very last sentence of the chapter in the very end of 22. Uh, verse 19 says that too, that this house is going to be built for the name of the Lord. So we're trying to magnify the name of the Lord. Uh, with how we build this. Verse 8 um, and First Chronicles 17 tells us about this Davidic covenant where David wanted to build the house for the Lord and he was stopped. Um, and this happens before Solomon's even born. Uh, verse 8, but the word of the Lord came to me saying, I, you have shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you have shed much blood before me on the earth. So he says, um, David conquers all of the promised land, and we saw that in 18 to 20. And if you can compare David to someone in the Old Testament, probably Joshua is someone else who had so much blood on his hands, too, from conquering and conquering and eliminating Canaanites and all the other uh, people of the promised land. That was what David's role was uh, to regain the promised land for Israel. And they've got and we we saw that they are bringing tribute and as their tributes money, as they're bringing money, David is collecting this for a purpose, um, and this is the purpose. He says, uh, so verse 9, behold, a son shall be born. This is God talking to David, and now David's relaying this to Solomon, and this was First Chronicles 17. Um, God told David, no, you can't build, but you're going to have a son. A son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies. For his name shall be called, shall be Solomon. So it sounds like God uh, chose the name for Solomon. God knew uh, the other older sons weren't going to be uh, chosen. And Solomon's going to be this um, the son who's going to, his name is derived from Shalom, which we know is the word peace. Okay, this is this is why his, his name is given to him. And God says, I will give him peace and quiet to Israel in his days. And because he has rest and he doesn't have wars that he has to fight, he shall build a house for my name. Okay, this is the second time we see that. This is the house for God's name. And he shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. And he reiterates the Davidic covenant uh, that he gave to David back in chapter 17. David's now telling Solomon, Solomon, you are the chosen one. Uh, to build, and God's going to have a close relationship, and you're going to call him father, and he, you're going to be like a son to him, and God's going to establish a royal throne in Israel forever, and we know Christ is the fulfillment of that promise. 
So the wise leader listens to the Lord's plans instead of his own. What was in David's heart? He wanted to build the temple. But when he was stopped to build the temple, he didn't argue with God. God, no, I'm going to still build you this temple. <laughs> he said, okay, God, what is the plan? Tell me the plan, God. And when God told him the plan through Nathan the prophet, David says, okay, so if I can't build the temple, I'm going to prepare for it. And that's what he does. And so from the time that he knew it wasn't his job to build it, he's like, okay, if I can't build it, I'm going to prepare for it. And we see him. This is his heart to honor the Lord and prepare because he can't do it uh, in his lifetime. He's not going to, he's not going to see this come to completion. So wise leaders listen to the Lord's plan. This is David. And David's example of listening to God and listening to the Lord's plans is an example for Solomon. And this comes out in this as Solomon is learning with his inexperience and his um, lack of skill. He's learning how to listen to God. He also communicates the Lord's personal plans for, um, for Solomon. Now, verses 11 to uh, 19 is the David is now going to pass on to Solomon in verses 11, uh, 11 to 16, and then he's going to talk to the leaders, the supporting leaders uh, who are going to support uh, Solomon in his, in his role. So now he says in verse 11, Now, my son, uh, the Lord be with you. If you compare that with the end of verse 16, how does he end his conversation with um, Solomon? He says, the Lord be with you. All right. This should be ringing in our ears. The Lord is with us always as we are obeying the Great Commission. Okay. So as Christ gives the Great Commission and David tells Solomon a thousand years before Christ that, hey, this is how you're going to accomplish this a magnificent task for a magnificent God. The Lord is going to be with you. Now, David is a man, as uh, a king, who wanted God's presence, and it has been—it's been brought out for us in the, this first book of Chronicles that the Lord was with him, and he, David, succeeded wherever he went. Uh, he succeeded in uh, going from Hebron up to uh, Jerusalem to be king. Uh, he succeeded in getting all of the Israelites to follow him, and as he goes off into war, he just keeps winning and winning. Why? Because the Lord is with him. And now, and Solomon wasn't around to see this. He hears stories, and now David says, okay, the Lord, the same Lord who was with me, is going to be with you. And he's with you for a different purpose than he was with me. So why is the Lord with Solomon in verse 11? So that, and David's still talking here, so that you may succeed in building the house of the Lord, your God. You notice he says the Lord, your God. He doesn't say the Lord, my God. So Solomon, however young he is, has chosen to follow the Lord, and he is solomon's god so he's the lord your god as he has spoken concerning you you solomon in particular this is a personal promise that he just reiterated verse 11 only may the lord grant you so as the lord is with you he's going to grant you discretion and understanding because why he's young and inexperienced that david brought out for us in the first part of the chapter the Lord's going to give you discretion and understanding that when he gives you charge over Israel, you may keep the law of the Lord, your God. Keeping the law of the Lord, your God. This sounds like the third part of the Great Commission, teaching people to obey all things that Christ said. So here we have David saying, okay, there were times in David's rule that he didn't obey the law of the Lord. And... <laughs> 
he's he, he suffered for it. it it's in his family it's in the the um we saw it in chapter 21 where there was judgment of god 70,000 die and so um david knows what it's like to not keep the law of the lord but david says the lord's going to be with you he's going to give you understanding to do this this task that god's chosen you for and you're going to keep the law of the lord your god when god is with us he is provoking us to keep his law. Verse 13, then you will prosper. And you're only going to prosper if you keep the law of the Lord. If you're careful to observe, that's another way of saying obey. Observe the statutes and the rules that the Lord commanded Moses for Israel. And if you are Solomon at this point, you're like, this is too, this is too big of a task. And you could you can sense probably uh, that he is getting fearful and overwhelmed. And so David pauses and says, fear not, and don't be dismayed. This sounds like uh, Joshua, Moses talking to Joshua, be strong and very courageous when he's going into the promised land to, to conquer the first time. So he says, fear not, and don't be dismayed. So what is what are we learning here? The Lord's presence will give success in fulfilling God's destiny for Solomon and for us, the Lord's presence will give discretion and understanding to obey God's word. The Lord will give strength and courage. This is all from the Lord's presence because this is in the context of verses 11 to 16. Now, verse uh, 14 to 16. Here is something that is helpful for us as leaders as we, we need to communicate this to the next generation. Here's what David's doing. He is telling him uh, in verse 14, what he has done with the Lord's presence with him. Verse 14, with great pains, I have provided for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold. All right, if you if you have a footnote, a talent is 75 pounds, okay? Seven, 75 times 100,000 is 7.5 million pounds of gold that David has collected. At 2,000, it's roughly $2,000 an ounce right now. That is $240 billion. The wealthiest man on the planet right now is worth $220 billion. So David has more gold, just gold, than the wealthiest guy right now on the planet. All right. In our money in that time. So, and he says, I took great pains to do it. So I, I went and fought a lot of battles. I saved all this money that came to me. I could have spent it on a lot of other things as a king. Instead, I'm saving it, I'm saving it, I'm saving it, I'm putting it in a storehouse or storehouses, uh, and he's got 7.5 million pounds of gold. He also has a million talents. That's 75 million pounds of silver, and silver is about $25 an ounce, and that's um, $30 billion of silver, okay? So quite the amount of gold and silver that David has and yet he says that, that this isn't enough, okay? And he says, I have bronze and iron beyond weighing. We also mentioned the bronze and iron earlier uh, that was beyond weight. So it has to be more than a million talents. It has to be so much that they're like, okay, we can't even count this. Let's just, let's just make a couple of storehouses for uh, the bronze and the iron because there's so much of it. There's timber and stone, too, I provided. And look at what he says at the end of verse 14. To these you must add. Okay, this, this isn't all, Solomon. You're going to have, and 
you're gonna have to add to this and from what we can tell in history that solomon is five years as king before he starts constructing the temple so he's got five more years after david dies before he starts uh constructing uh, the temple to add to his own so he has got some we'd say skin in the game uh, verse 15 you have an abundance of workmen okay so he doesn't have just resources although he's got quite the amount of of uh, gold silver and other materials he said i also have provided for you uh, stone cutters masons carpenters and all kinds of craftsmen without number skilled in working with gold and silver and bronze and iron the things that i've collected i've got men and we were told back in verse two um where david gets these uh, stone cutters at least and now he says at the end of verse 16 arise and work the lord be with you so you have something to do this isn't my choice. If it was my choice, Solomon, I'd be building the temple myself, but I can't. So I'm providing for you. And God specifically told me, you're the one that's going to build the temple. And so Solomon's like, oh, okay. But David says, be strong and courageous. And I've got all this help around you. You're not alone. You have a number of resources and this is how it's organized. He probably showed him all of this uh, before he dies. And so now he goes from Solomon to the other leaders. Uh, Solomon's not the only leader. Now we, we would call these guys support leaders, verse six, 17. David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you peace on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into, into my hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and his people. Questions for these guys are, they need to realize the Lord's is with them. And notice what he says. He says, they, he is the Lord, your God. So whenever we struggle, whenever we feel like I can't do what God calls me to do, we need to ask ourselves these kind of questions. Is the Lord our God with us? If the answer is yes, then okay, we need to maybe arise and work. We need to be strong and courageous. You have a job to do that only you can do. David can't do your job. Solomon can't do your job. Uh, your spouse can't do your job. I can't do your job. God has people in your life that he wants you to minister to, and it's your job. And we're going to see how this, we're going to conclude with, with the Great Commission because the Great Commission is our job. All right, and then um, another question. Has he not given you peace on every side? Haven't you seen that the Lord your God is with us? Haven't you seen us fight? And many of these leaders... If they haven't been to battle, they've heard about the battle after battle after battle that the, that the Lord has given victory. And the, the Lord is the one who subdued the land so that they can now build this temple with peace and rest all around. But their job isn't complete with just questioning, uh, is the Lord with them? Verse 19, now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. It is always time, no matter what generation you're in, um, as a leader, as a supporting role, because these guys are just supporting Solomon. Um, it's now time to set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. This is what we're doing at church. This is why we come to church, as I said Sunday, every every week we're here. And there are a number of people that came on Sunday that or, or Friday night that we might not see them again until next next easter or christmas um 
but we don't expect them if they don't know the Lord to seek him. But those of us who know the Lord and know that the Lord is with us, oh man, we better set our heart to seek him. Not just our heart, set your heart and your mind. So uh, it's like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But we have to seek the Lord our God. He's our God. It's our time to live on earth. It's our time to seek the Lord. And he gives them the same instruction that he said to Solomon, arise and work. He says to them in verse 19, arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord your God. So help Solomon build the sanctuary of the Lord God. Why? So that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into the house built for the name of the Lord. So we can come worship the Lord here. And so that the name of the Lord, his fame and his glory spreads. This is why we are on earth to glorify God. We are, to use this example, we're to magnify. Put glasses on someone's face and look and, whoa, I can see clearer now. We are to be glasses. <laughs> we're not, there's nothing special about us except that God has chosen us. We're just supporting um, supporting the uh, the leadership, supporting roles, um, so wise supporting leadership realizes that the ultimate goal in each of our destinies is to magnify the magnificent God. So let's look at back at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and see if we can't find these elements here. Who has all authority? Well, in this passage of scripture, the Lord, your God, has all authority. The Lord, David's God, changed David's plan. The Lord, David's God, chose Solomon, and the Solomon is now the Lord, his God. And now uh, Solomon had to choose the Lord, his God. And now the leaders have to say, yes, the Lord is our God, too, and we're going to help. And so they're all recognizing the authority that the Lord, their God, has is in this story, is in this uh, magnifying himself. And they're just part of that. They are also all nations, all the nations of the earth, including the resident aliens. Those are foreigners who have come to in to live inside of Israel and to worship Israel's God. And you can read about them in the Passover in Exodus 12, uh, that they were allowed to worship the Lord uh, with the Israelites and the same laws for them. And um, so they were worshiping God and they are part of this building uh, process to magnify the Lord teaching them to obey all things. If you remember what he says to Solomon back in verses 12, 13, he says, okay, the Lord is with you so that you can observe and obey everything that's written in the law of the Lord. And then notice God is always with us in this endeavor. He says, the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. So this happens, to put this in the context of greater, broader scripture, this happens before a magnificent Savior comes. This happens before a magnificent Savior dies on a wondrous cross. This happens before the empty tomb and the soldiers fall down and the angel comes and tells the ladies he is not here, he is risen. All this happens with a eye to the future, that God is going to be with us. The Lord be with you. And when Jesus comes, his name is Emmanuel, which is God with us. 
And Jesus leaves the disciples and says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send my spirit and I am always going to be with you. In fact, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. So as you guys go out and fulfill the great commission, recognize I have all authority. You're just submitting to my plans. It's not your plans. It's my plans. You submit to my plans. Here's my plan for all of us is we're to make disciples of all nations. And as they are following Christ now, they're recognizing Jesus as Lord. We're telling them we need to learn to obey everything in the Bible. And this is what we do as a church. Okay, we, we, we are seeking the Lord. It is always time to seek the Lord. And we're seeking the Lord. Why? So that we can magnify him. And we're seeking him. We're like, whoa, we saw Jesus. Let's go tell somebody how great he is. And knowing all the while that we are magnifying our magnificent father, our magnificent savior in the power of his magnificent spirit that lives inside of us. So the Lord be with you and let's go arise and work.